Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is January 22nd, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. I'm still not used to hearing 2023. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good thing we don't write checks anymore because we don't have to remind people, make sure you put 2023 on your check. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember that always being a thing every January yeah. and, fe and February and sometimes March. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Remember, it's a new year. <laughs> because for those listening, when we were kids, people would write checks at the grocery store. And you'd be in line and someone would be writing a check and they'd go, oh, darn it. It's 1991, not 1990. And then they would, yeah. then they would write a brand new check. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, the good old days. Gosh, I mean, I, uh, I still have a checking account, and I think I've written two checks out of it in the last six years. And I think most of what I've used it for is to give a void check for a direct deposit. So. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, I actually still use checks for my business, um, but, uh, but it's getting you know rarer and rarer uh, that I actually even use them for the business anymore. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things from the past that we uh, I don't know. It's kind of a you know a, a a symbol of a simpler time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, nothing simple about the show today, Canada. We're gonna have a fiery one for you. On the show today, just transition, healthcare in Ontario, Jordan Peterson on fire again, and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's just start at the top with just transition. And no, this is not about Justin Trudeau transitioning to a woman. <laughs> well, it's good that you pointed that out. And, uh, had that, that been the case, there might be people not surprised. So. Is that, that's what I thought the first time I heard that. Oh, <laughs> I didn't, but I could see that. I, I could see how people might think that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so now we haven't got the legislation yet, but the just transition was allegedly part of uh, Jagmeet Singh's conditions in order to enter into the supply and confidence agreement with Justin Trudeau that this legislation had to be tabled this year. And essentially what it is, is, well, the transition into the quote, new green economy and the new energy economy, et cetera, et cetera. Now, a memo was released talking about the just transition and Danielle Smith happened to catch wind of this memo, which talks about job losses in the range of 200,000 jobs and this specifically says there will be certain regions of the country that will be disproportionately harmed by this legislation. And so Danielle Smith, I think rightly said, oh, you're after the energy sector. Justin Trudeau actually does wanna shut down the oil sands, which he famously said in, I think it was 2017 or 2016 that, you know, I wish I could phase out the oil sands tomorrow. And well, it looks like he's gonna do it, but, Stand down, Canada. Don't get too upset because the memo also says that, well, such positions as janitors and drivers won't need retraining in this new economy. Huh, we're saved. We're saved. Yeah, that's... We knew, we knew this was coming. I mean, let's be real. We knew this was coming. I mean, it's... As you said, Justin Trudeau even said a few years back that he wishes he could just transition away from oil and gas today. Um, so, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, this this government this government is all about um, virtue signaling and has been from day one, and that's all this is. That's all this is is virtue signaling because once again. Uh, we haven't seen the legislation, but I guarantee you it's going to be a freaking mess. 
because everything this government does is a freaking mess. And when you see the legislation, it's I, I guarantee you, people are just going to be scratching their heads going, how is this even possible? It's not. Um, and we've and we've had uh, I, oh, I can't remember which premier it was this past week. Uh, but it's one of the premiers said we do not even or or no, it was BC. <laughs> my province, duh. Um, <laughs> my province, the, the, they said that uh, the power generation won't be the problem. It's the power transmission that's going to be the problem, uh, which is getting the electricity out to where it needs to go. Um, I think power generation is a problem. Uh, if all of BC's cars become electric, um, they we don't have the power generation available. Uh, we would need, um, right now they're building this giant, a giant dam up in Northern BC. And they said, if, if all of the vehicles in BC go electric, we need three more of those. Um, and the amount of land that needs to get flooded to build three more of these dams is completely unrealistic and, and virtually impossible. Uh, but transmission of this electricity is, is extremely difficult too. Like you got to get it out. I mean, the, the current grid is not capable of it. So the oil and gas industry, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be relevant. And it's going to remain relevant for a long time because we do not have the power generation or the power transmission capabilities in this country. And nobody is building out the infrastructure. Nobody. Uh, so they, they're going to try and eliminate oil and gas, but they're going to fail because it's not even possible to do that without starving half this country. Well, they'll do that, and then they'll just continue to import more and more oil from Saudi Arabia or Nigeria or Venezuela, and when we've got it right here in our own backyard, and that's kind of Danielle Smith's point. She says, like, you know, our industry is actually making a lot of gains in this country to reduce emissions, and you look at pipeline projects, I mean, when they reclaim the land, you would never know anything was there because they plant trees, they build fences, they... Uh, you know, there's nothing but vegetation in place. And our oil and gas industry is a world leader in environmental standards and, and efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. And she made the point that, look, we're actually reducing emissions. And even though the, the uh, federal government has put completely unrealistic targets upon them and, and with the electric vehicle mandates that you're right, we will never be able to meet because we don't have the power for it. She's just trying to say, okay, hold on a minute. Let's uh, look at this realistically. But Justin Trudeau instead gave us Stephen Gilbo. So it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, Danielle Smith is doing the right thing in ringing these alarm bells. And thankfully, she's got the, the fortitude that she's not going to just lie down quietly and take this. Because that's, uh, well, that's what we need. We need a premier who's going to say, um, how about no? Yeah, uh, the the thing is, is you're right. I didn't even think about that part of it. Is that we might end up shutting down our own oil industry, but we'll just start importing oil from from third world dictators where there is no environmental standards or regulations. Um, Canada has probably the cleanest oil in the world, simply because of our environmental standards and environmental regulations around oil extraction and reclamation. And if you, you can actually go online and there's photos, aerial photos of areas in, in and around the, the Fort McMurray area in Alberta where you'll see photos of oil sands prior to uh extraction even beginning and there's no vegetation because nothing can actually grow in that ground because of how much oil is right at the surface 
uh, it's easily accessible. It's right at the surface. I mean, the, the, for for hundreds of years, there are uh, there have been stories like uh, uh, First Nations along the uh, is it the Athabasca River? Yep. Yeah, the Athabasca River. There's there's uh, First Nations settlements along there that for generations have had stories uh, like verbal historical stories that talk about how polluted the river is and how uh, it, it's not, it wasn't suitable for uh, drinking. And that's all because of oil that just leaks right into the river. Um, there's photos of it, you can see it. And it's not caused by the, ex, the, the act of extraction. It's actually just natural seepage. And, um, and after, the oil company's gone in and removed, like extracted the oil from the ground and then put the, uh, basically the cleaned up soil back where it was. Uh, reclamation companies go in and they plant trees and grass and vegetation and, and all of that. And you can see the before and after photos before any oil, oil extraction has even begun to after the reclamation has been completed and the and there's more vegetation there's much much more vegetation than there was prior to the oil company even moving in um so yeah daniel smith is 100 right and there is a reason that a number of years ago there was a term that came up and it was called um uh, Oh, damn, my mind just went blank. Uh, ethical oil. We were calling it, the right wing in Canada and in Alberta was calling it ethical oil. And, and, and there's a very good reason for it. And that is because it is. Um, if you compare Canadian oil to oil that comes from Saudi Arabia or from you know, Kuwait or one of these Middle Eastern countries, you, you don't, um, it, it isn't just environmental where we, where we come out ahead. We come out ahead in human rights. We come out ahead in equality for the workers and for people and, um, I mean, one of the points that was made at the time, the mayor of Fort, of Fort McMurray was a woman. Well, you're not getting a, a female mayor in the Middle East, <laughs> you know, in, in Saudi Arabia. You're not in Saudi Arabia. You're not getting a woman in charge of anything. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, yes, even not only are our environmental standards better than any other oil producing country on the planet but so is our human rights record and our uh and our our well for lack of better term you know diversity and inclusion if they want to <laughs> if, if you want to if you want to get justin trudeau's attention tell him that canada's diversity and inclusion in the oil industry is better than any other industry in the world he might start supporting our own oil industry then well and i've made the point before too that uh maybe maybe even on this show that you know that's the world's largest natural oil spill and Albertans have dedicated themselves to cleaning up this oil spill and yeah. that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, right now you could actually light the ground on fire in certain areas and yep, they're, uh, they're cleaning up that oil spill to the benefit of humanity. And yep. yet our woke virtue signaling prime minister wants to stop that cleanup. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's almost like, uh it, it's almost like it was put there for us to use <laughs> well really that it really was yeah exactly yeah. so <laughs> yeah so all right so let's move on and we'll talk a little bit about healthcare in ontario now um doug ford of course uh said something that we've actually said on this show 
for a few years already. And I heard him in a press conference say that, well, right now, Canada is, you know, in alignment with Cuba and North Korea in having a completely government-run healthcare system and made the joke, is that really the, the peers we want to have? And I was like, okay, did you listen to our show? Because we've made that point a few different times. But it's about bloody time that people are making that connection. But of course, the left, has predicted, is going nuts because Doug Ford wants to privatize Ontario healthcare. Um, how many times do we have to make the point that probably 80% of our healthcare system is already privately delivered? Yeah, and that's honestly the the so there's there's a bit of a problem with saying that canada there's only two other countries in the world that have the same healthcare system as us and that's north korea and cuba uh because our healthcare system does differ from theirs quite substantially <laughs> um and that is that 80 percent of our healthcare is delivered privately uh and zero percent of the healthcare in cuba and North Korea are delivered privately. Um, but it is 100% funded by the government. And that's where it's the same. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's it's funny because, I mean, how long have, have we been saying this? How long has, uh, you know, conservative talk show hosts been saying this about the Canadian healthcare system. Um, I mean, I remember, God, back in the day when Dave Rutherford was talking about this on his show in Alberta. Um, for those of you outside of Alberta, Dave Rutherford was a very well-known uh, radio talk show host in Alberta. Uh, he originate, His show originated out of Calgary. And uh, it was the number one radio talk show in Alberta, and he was a very, very conservative, made no bones about it. Um, and uh, his show was great. I listened to it every single day when I lived out there. Um, but I remember him talking about this back in the, in the late 90s when I first moved to Alberta. Um, and it, uh, I mean, this is something that we've been talking about for decades. And uh, it's finally starting to gain traction. And unfortunately, it took, it took our healthcare system to be on the verge of collapse before somebody spoke up. And I really wish it had not uh, taken that for someone to speak up. And, and, the, and the sad thing is, is that the only premier that is, or Okay, let me rephrase that. There's only a handful of premiers that are even saying anything about it. I know my premier is saying nothing. Like absolutely nothing. David Eby is not saying anything about involving uh, any private industry in our healthcare system here. And our healthcare system in BC is worse off than most. Um, you know, good on Danielle Smith, good on um, Doug Ford for standing up and saying something. I mean, Saskatchewan has finally decided to actually do something about it. I mean, that's something that I actually am, am uh, quite happy with is that Saskatchewan's actually moving forward and saying, we're just going to do this. Um, and basically daring the federal government to stop them. Um, and I mean, that's great. I, I wish other premiers, I wish other provinces would have the, the gumption and the fortitude to actually do what Saskatchewan's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, Doug Ford actually referenced the Saskatchewan Surgical Initiative, which was brought in with Brad Wall. And that was to take care of like electives, like the cataracts, the, the knee and hip surgeries, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, not only did they reduce the wait times down to weeks instead of months, it also saved the system 26% over what it would have spent had they administered everything publicly or delivered everything publicly, I should say. And, well, it's about time we did it again. So, fantastic. But I, uh, 
I really had to shake my head over the left's reaction to this because there was a I listen to a lot of CBC podcasts, and as our listeners know, we we tend to source a lot of left wing media outlets for our our uh, content just so that we got that perspective. And they had a former Ontario Health Minister, or maybe he's a Deputy Minister under Kathleen Wynne, anyway, Liberal, and he was beside himself that Doug Ford would even dare use the word private, and he actually spread some misinformation that I wanted to to clear up is he talked uh, that a that it would actually cost more money to deliver these services in private clinics because it would be cheaper to deliver them publicly in clinics that were already attached to hospitals and then he he said that well the the private delivery operators would only be paid to perform the the day surgery itself and if a patient wanted an overnight stay there would be extra charges for it and i thought well, yeah, but that would be the case in the public system too. And he was talking about potential upselling, saying that, oh, if you go in for cataracts, they'll try to offer to upsell you to a more premium lens so that you don't need to wear glasses. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, Nimrod, the public system does that too. And then you actually brought up another point before we were talking, before the show started, that of where upselling takes place in hospitals every single day. So this... uh this guy's trying to stoke the fear when um, nobody, this is already happening. Yeah. If you stay in a hospital in Canada right now and that, and, and every single hospital in Canada is, uh, is publicly owned. Uh, if you, is, if you go and stay in a, any hospital in Canada today, they, the first thing they'll ask you during your admittance is, do you want a semi-private room or a private room as opposed to being in a room with three other people? And if you go for the semi-private room or the private room, that is out of your pocket. You pay extra for that. That is an upsell. And that's the first thing they ask you about, about your room. Do you want a semi-private room? If you do, that's an upcharge. Most people's, uh, uh, you know, extended health coverage through work will will cover some of that, uh, but your extended health coverage will not cover the private room. So if you get the private room, that is a hundred percent out of your pocket. And then, God forbid, you want TV, because if you want if you want a TV, then you have to pay extra for that. I, I, and I don't actually know if TV is even offered anymore um, because people have their cell phones and stuff and they watch stuff on their phones. But I'm sure that they still offer TV because there's most of the people in the hospital are old. Um, but but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's they're already upselling you. And, and many drugs are not covered by healthcare. That's all going to be on you or your extended healthcare plan. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, oh, really? So the private clinic offering me an upgrade to a much better lens is a bad thing? Oh, go yeah, shot. Well, well- you know, I, I don't have, I can't say what I want to say to that guy on this show because we like to keep this family friendly but that i what kind what kind of politician or what kind of person wants canada to be a third rate country i mean you want us we all gotta suffer equally man yeah they want us to be a third rate country they want us to not have the best health care they want us to not have the best access to health care. They want us to not have family doctors. They want us to not have the options that are available in other countries. And I don't know why. I don't get it. It's like Alberta, a number of years ago, I mean, this is, we're talking probably 15 years ago or 10 years ago or something like that. They had a huge backlog of hip and knee surgeries that were extending out to like 18 months. They 
contracted with private surgical clinics in Calgary and Alberta, or sorry, Calgary and Edmonton. And those clinics did the surgeries for less money, gave the patient a better experience. They have happier staff. They have uh, the, the, the processes were all more streamlined. So it was not so painful to go and check in and, and get your, your uh, uh, operation done. It was actually a much simpler, more streamlined process, making it a much better experience for the patient. And yet they did all this and still managed to make a profit being paid the same amount that the public system was being paid for, for the same surgery. Now, they managed to clear up the backlog to, I believe it was only in about eight months, they, they cleared up that backlog and there was only a two week waiting list at the end of eight months. And, and then the government, I believe that was right around the time that they got a new premier, um, it was, uh, oh, what's her name? Talking uh, about our good friend, Rachel Notley. No, before her. Oh, Alison Redford. That's yes, Alison Redford. Yes. Alison Redford came to be premier and she canceled those contracts. And then Notley came into power and she banned, she outright banned the contracting of, of surgeries to private surgical clinics in the province of Alberta. Even though it was because of those clinics that Alberta had the shortest wait times in the country. Yeah, no, actually let's, let's talk about that one for a minute because that was another point that this dude had made and to, to try and scare everybody saying that, well, you set these private, allow these private clinics in and we're going to lose nurses from the public system to these private clinics because they'll be able to offer better better hours and better working conditions. And I thought, A, well, what does that say about the public health system if you're going to find people leaving to for better conditions in a private system? And, yeah. you know, B, um, well, then maybe you need to smarten up in your own system. Like, I know that in the public health system, because I'd had a procedure done years back, I remember talking with the doctor just saying, okay, do you actually know what you're being paid for the procedure? And he was like, yep, and you give me the exact dollar figure. And I said, okay, so, uh, and this guy was contracted to the government because it was just a minor procedure. And so I said, okay, so there's no, is there any reason why clinic X couldn't operate knowing that they get this much per procedure and, you know, offer those services to the government? And he just said, that's, really what I'm doing, he was using, he was using the space in a hospital, but yeah. he said, yeah, for sure you could. And I said, okay, so if an actuary determines that your hip surgery, for example, is worth $4,000, I'm sure I'm lowballing it, but just to use that for a figure, if he says, okay, well, yep, I can do that for $4,000 in my clinic and still turn a profit. I don't care. I just want my hip done. So Go ahead and do it. And if, if you can do it for 3000 and you put 1000 in your pocket, I don't care. I just want it done. And I don't want to wait two years of discomfort to get it done. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at here in BC. I, I don't know. I believe Alberta has the same thing. I don't know about the other provinces. But in BC, uh, we now have private labs that and, and uh, so that you can actually go to the, you can have your doctor fax or email, whatever. I don't know if they even fax anymore, but they, uh, they can email your requisition directly to a private uh, um, lab. And you can, yep. you, yeah, and you can go to that private lab and have your blood taken or your, give your urine or stool sample. And they will do that. And they're working, being paid by the, public healthcare system to do this, yet they have nicer clinics, nicer staff, a better experience, 
and you're in and out much faster than if you go to the pub to a public uh, owned lab. If you go to a publicly owned lab, you go in there, the, the people are always miserable. They, they're not friendly to you because they're miserable. The, uh, you're, you're, you're waiting forever because there's no sense of urgency. Um, it, it, it's just a completely different experience. And it's not a good one when you go to the public uh, laboratories in here, here in BC. And I mean, it's a completely different experience when you go to the private ones. And yet they're being paid the same amount of money to do the same job. Yet the private clinic is a much better experience. Oh yeah, always tends to be that way. And I just had a, I thought it was hilarious that the, this liberal gentleman was, you know, spewing the nonsense he was spewing. And of course the CBC audience will completely just lap that up. And I just thought it's just, it's so untrue. I mean, especially when you've got the Dr. Catherine Smart, who was the, the head of the Canadian Medical Association, but she's still doing the talk show circuit and she's on with Roy Green a lot. And she's even saying that, look, we've got to just uh, look at this as a patient first model instead of funding our healthcare system, like one big bucket of money that just sits on the table and you pull out of it and, you know, enough to get you through the year. And I thought, man, this is stuff we've been saying for 20 years, like you and I politically. So it's, uh, yeah. It's about bloody time this conversation took place. So I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think CBC really needs to do better. And they won't uh, until Pierre Paul, you have defunds them. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was, I, CBC and CBC radio used to, used to be a lot more, um, what, how, what, what's the term? Unbiased, I guess. CBC radio was more unbiased than CBC TV, for sure. CBC TV has always been very uh, heavy-handed in their bias, but CBC radio has, has um, there used to be a time where CBC radio was more fair, um, but that's gone by the wayside. And that, that got, went by the wayside probably a, a good decade or two ago but it's really bad now it's as bad on the radio as it is on tv now and i mean I, and i brought this up on the show myself and this was two well i would say probably a year and a half to two years ago now uh where i was listening to cbc radio and there was a uh uh a criminology professor from simon fraser university on saying that the 223 cartridge for you know the AR15 is so high powered that a deer's head would explode if it was shot with one <laughs> and anybody who knows anything about firearms or uh, or hunting <laughs> <laughs> would know that a 223 is barely bigger it's essentially a high powered 22 and a 22 is the is one of the smallest uh you know uh, it's one of the smallest bullet sizes that you can put through a rifle um it's in fact, it's pretty much the smallest that's used on a regular basis. There are smaller, but they're very, very small. Um, but a 22 is so small that the only thing you really use it for is for like hunting grouse or, uh, or hunting like varmints, right? Other than that, it's really no good for anything except target practice. And a 223, which is what the AR 15 shoots, is essentially the same size like diameter wise and because that 223 is is what it is that's the measurement of the diameter of the bullet and so it's essentially a high powered 22 but a 223 is ranks right near the bottom in terms of of uh in terms of the how you know the uh, deadliness or the power of of a of a hunt of a, of a bullet 
in t- for rifles it's it's right near the bottom <laughs> it barely kicks like you you don't feel it much when you when you shoot one and uh and i mean every single rifle i own is more powerful than a tw- than a 223 and and they uh but this this professor you know and on top of the fact that you don't shoot at a deer's head it's a pretty small target you don't shoot at the head you shoot at the vital organs right that that's what you shoot at so this like this criminology professor had no idea what he was even talking about and yet cbc had him on as an expert in in uh in rifles and ammunition and so of course cbc has just become like in every way possible is just a propaganda arm of the liberal party of canada yep oh they totally are and uh we'll actually we'll segue that into our last uh our last topic about Jordan Peterson. I mean, the propaganda is strong in Ottawa now. Oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's got an event coming up in Ottawa. I'm guessing he's going to be speaking because he's on a speaking tour again. He's actually coming here to Saskatoon in February, and I'm, and I'm going to see him. But he has protesters now who want his Ottawa event canceled because they are triggered by the fact that Jordan Peterson reminds him of the Freedom Convoy because he dared to have benjamin dichter on his podcast and he's you know before so said he supported tamara leach so now they want his event canceled and um i really i had to sort of look up this is just a, a, a segment of the list of groups that uh, want jordan peterson canceled but they include and you're gonna love this canada the canada canadian anti-hate network the Ottawa Pride Hockey, the Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity, and the Ottawa Queer Arts Collective. I'm guessing these are all people who would have been all for Jordan Peterson being compelled to use pronouns, which is what propelled Jordan Peterson to the public space in the first place. Just saying. I I find it interesting that one of those groups has the words anti-hate in their title. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> like how how contradictory can they be? <laughs> yeah. Now um might as well just call this... yourselves the hypocrite group. Yeah, no kidding. Now you had said this, well, I think when the Freedom Convoy was still in Ottawa, if not shortly after. And you had said that the Canadian flag is soon going to be seen as a hate symbol and a trigger symbol. And what do you know? Lewis was right again because the, the spokesperson for these different groups that want Jordan Peterson canceled cited the fact that pro Peterson protesters at the College of Ontario Psychologists supporting Jordan Peterson in his anti or social media retraining, I should say happen to be with waving Canadian flags along with Maxime Bernier to support Jordan Peterson. And that has them triggered because those hate symbols mean that they've got to be a bunch of bigots like Jordan Peterson. Yeah, it's, and I, and I, and again, I, I'll say this one more time. I really hate being right so often because (laughs) Because no, and I and I'm serious about this because the problem is, is that the stuff I'm right about is stuff I wish I wouldn't be right about. Like I, I wish that you know that the Canadian flag was not being seen as a hate symbol, but I just saw that this was what was gonna happen. And and what do you know? It is like the Canadian flag is now being seen as a hate symbol. And it's it <laughs> It's just, it's awful. I mean, it's disgusting that this is what people are doing now, using the Canadian flag as if, or, you know, and it's not the hate groups that are using the Canadian flag as a hate symbol. It's the people that are basically calling everyone else a hate group that are using the Canadian flag as a hate symbol. They're not using the flag. They're just saying the flag is a hate symbol. Therefore they're abusing that flag. And it's, it's just, I mean, when you have a group called the anti hate group and all they spew is hate, 
um, maybe we shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't listen to them. Um, I mean, what's happening right now is with Jordan Peterson is, is not unexpected. Um, he's been receiving hate, this, this type of hate from anti-hate groups for, uh, you know, since 2017, um, when, when he became famous for that video of the, uh, of the, the trans, I think it was a trans boy, uh, and a very androgynous looking person. So I'm assuming that they were, uh, uh, non-binary, uh, that confronted him outside of the university of Toronto and, you know, doing everything they could to compel him to use their preferred pronouns. And that when that video went viral, all these anti-hate groups started their hateful rhetoric. Um, and now, I mean, it's like the very first article I read about these groups protesting Jordan Peterson's event, the first thing it, meant, it says is, Canada is coming up on the one year anniversary of the Freedom Convoy. And that is what makes this Jordan Peterson event scary. <laughs> well, and this is the whole that, reason that he's prominent in the first place. They yeah, want to compel him. Yeah, and this isn't like in some, you know, backwater publication. This is in like the Globe and Mail. Um, so, I mean, this is a national newspaper. I mean, what, what the hell? Yeah, and be thankfully, Jordan Peterson has a backbone of steel because he. I mean, they're they're even trying to trash him. One article I read, they were trying to make light of the fact that he was addicted to to painkillers when he had gone through his depression and the fact that he even went through depression and had to seek help for his own psychological issues. And then they made fun of the fact that he went to Russia to try to get, you know, weaned off of the, the drugs that he was addicted to. And yet still he's decided to stand up and say, Nope, I'm going to keep doing my thing. And, you know, he's still not going to be compelled to use people's preferred pronouns and it's, uh, I wanted just to relate this a little bit because they're just, they're just trying to shut him down because he's not singing from their song sheet, song sheet, sorry. And then I saw an article right in your backyard in the Okanagan where a lady named Lori Baird uh, tried to create a change.org petition to shut down a drag queen story hour in Kelowna. And actually got her petition canceled by change.org because they called that hate speech. Yeah. First Jordan Peterson, no problem. But you dare to try to cancel a drag queen story hour through a public petition, that's hate speech. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I've been following that in real time here just because it's in my backyard. And uh, uh, like I told you before the show, we have a website here, a regional news website um that is actually really popular here for getting local news and everything and um the stories on there and their comment sections uh are actually kind of scary um when you see how people are just all in on this you know drag queen story hour it's like i don't know i mean it's, uh, I've, th this is nothing short of grooming. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that, like, this isn't grooming the kids to be abused. This is grooming the kids to be indoctrinated with a political viewpoint. Um, and if, and people are, are going, like the, the people's comments that are in favor of this drag queen story hour say, 
you know, why do you care so much? Why do you care so much? It's just, it's just story time. No, it's not just story time. If this was just story time, it wouldn't be called Drag Queen Story Hour. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be so goddamn important to have a drag queen doing the story reading if it was just story time. Like there is a indoctrination happening here. And unfortunately, the adults in this country have fallen for it. And it's, this is damaging our kids' psyches. They are too young to be exposed to this kind of stuff. They don't understand very much at that age in the first place. Uh, they, they're confused about a lot of things. And then you introduce something like this, and you think that this is not going to confuse them more, that this isn't, you know, no, this is, you're, you're counting on the confusion. You're counting on these kids being confused because it makes it easier to convince them of things that you, that, that are hard to believe in the first place. Because if you can get them to believe that that's normal, then you can get them to believe anything. And, and if, and, and yeah, I mean, okay, I might be sounding a little crazy here thinking, you know, saying that this is a conspiracy theory, but this is a conspiracy. It is. I mean, this is nothing more than the LGBTQ community attempting to brainwash our children. And I mean, and don't get me wrong, I am not, you know, uh, a you know, a bigot that hates gay people or whatever. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but, but children of this age should not be exposed to this kind of stuff. It, they're just too young. And, and if, and if it is, if it was not brainwashing, then why is it so important that it be a drag queen? Why does it have to be a drag queen? I mean, that's the question that needs to be answered in my book. If it is so, if, it, if this is not social conditioning and brainwashing, then what is it? Because if, if this is just story hour, like everybody's trying to, trying to pass it off as, then why is it so important that it be a drag queen? Why does it have to be a drag queen? That's the question everybody needs to ask. And, and, and it's, it's just, it's unfortunate what is happening to this woman who's opposing it in, in Kelowna, um, because it's, even, even change.org is now deciding what is acceptable and what isn't. And that's, and that's wrong. I mean, you see the hockey player there in, uh, I think it was Philadelphia, that refused to take part in the, uh, the pride practice where every member of the team wore a pride jersey, a pride Philadelphia Flyers jersey in warm-up, and he refused to take part. And the hate and vitriol that I've seen online towards that guy because he's an, a Russian Orthodox Christian <laughs> is nothing short of disgusting. And yet he's the hateful one. I, I really hate it when the left tries doing things, people on the right notice and then the people on the left get mad that we noticed. It's not, you know, that th they're getting mad that that we're that we're saying anything about it. They're they're mad that we noticed that they're doing something that is kind of not right. And they and that's what they get mad about. And and you know that because their answer is always, "Why do you care so much?" 
Well, I care because it's wrong. But, and that's what they get mad about. They get mad that you noticed that they're doing something. Not that they're actually doing something. <laughs> they get mad that you noticed they're doing it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I hate this. I hate this time we're in right now because it's just, you got one demographic of the country here that's just doing everything they can to corrupt our young minds. I mean, look at look at what they're allowing our kids to do with with in terms of 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 changing their sex and stuff. I mean, you know, there was a a, a family in the states where their their daughter ran away, got hooked up with a uh, a guy like a like she was. I believe she was 15. She ran away, uh, or actually she met, ran out in the middle of the night to meet up with a, a boy that she thought was, who loved to, to uh, skateboard as well, that she met online. Turns out he's a uh, sex trafficker, kidnapped her, and in the one week that he had her, uh, trafficked her to dozens of men they the authorities uh tracked her down and found her arrested the guy and everything but would not return this girl to her family because the family won't accept her gender identity they put her into foster care instead of giving her back to her family and then she ran away from foster care, got caught by another human trafficker in Texas who has been pimping her out. They catch her again and put her back in foster care again because the family won't accept her gender identity. Yeah, ridiculous. This is a story in the news right now. And this this is this is horrible. This is absolutely horrible, and this is this is the ideological war that we're fighting in in society today. Do you really want to be on that side of things? I don't. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good spot to wrap the show on right there. Uh, it is an ideological war, and well, it's people like Jordan Peterson uh, who are are fighting it for us. So uh, get out and support him, Canada. But uh, we do want to thank you for joining us, Canada. And we will be back next week with another show. Until then, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. <laughs>